Whenever Alu comes, the question arises, so when are we going to make our move? Rosh Hashanah, have another three weeks, four weeks. Yom Kippur, a month. So am I going to be from the first people or am I going to be from the last people? There's a beautiful marshal from the Briskarov. And the Briskarov says that, uh, you know, in the olden days, people needed to be smuggled across the border and at great danger. So, you know, when the time came, so the people that need to be smuggled, they've never done this before. You know, a month before, they get nervous. Oh my gosh, what's coming? You know, a month before the day that, the day of the, you know, the D-Day. So they get really, really nervous and like, uh, well, what's going to be? And they're really nervous 30 days before. The smugglers, who are professional smugglers, you know, as much as they've done it uh, time and time again, but nonetheless, they know that there's a serious danger over here. So a few days before, they start getting a little bit nervous. The horses that they're going to transport these people over the border, they, they don't get uh, nervous at all. You know, it's just another day for them. So he says uh, similar, it's the same thing as far as Elul and Rosh Hashanah. We have people that they get concerned already a month before. You have others and they don't get moved till Slichus comes. And you know, and then there are those that even when they hear HaMelech, they don't budge. I want to have a little bit of an impromptu talk today about tshuva. Share with you some of my thoughts over the years. <clears throat> Essentially, tshuva is a process that anybody that should see it, should watch it, should uh, witness about tshuva. It should be, uh, it's quite, uh, it's funny. It's a funny thing. And I'll give you an example. One of the greatest Bali Tshuva today, one of the most famous Bali Tshuva, Bal Tshuva who has accomplished so, so much for the Jewish people, is a fellow by the name of Yossi Wallace. Yossi Wallace was Chazib Tshuva, I believe, 35 years ago, 1985. There are two volumes of a book by the name of Incredible, written by Nachman Zeltzer. I think there's a third uh, volume that's about to come out. And basically, he has been the CEO of Arachim nearly since its inception. So, you know, Arachim is responsible for many, many, many Bali Tshuva, tremendous good work that they do. So he tells this story about what happened when he started turning around. You know, he was one day, you know, he lives in Ranana. 
and some guy saw him one day puttering around his garden, and he starts pulling, a, and, and he starts, you know, he's planting, and, you know, doing some gardening over there with various uh, bushes and plants, etc. And some uh, religious neighbor who knew that, uh, you know, this Yossi Wallace is on his way back, so he says to him, you, you know that it's Shemitah year this year, you're not allowed to uh, plant and you're not allowed to, you know, sow the land, you're not allowed to plow, all kinds of stuff. He says, really? Well, I didn't know that. And, uh, and what happens if I already did it? He says, no, no, the dinners have to pull it out. So he starts pulling out all the, anybody that drives by and sees this guy pulling out all his, his, his uh, plants and all his, uh, everything that he's put so much hard work and effort into, you know, it's uh, quite amusing. A few days later, he gets, uh, there's a uh, talk in his house. And in the middle of the talk, it becomes evident to him that uh, he's missing. He doesn't have the basics for him in his house. He doesn't have a Rambam. He doesn't have a Gemara. He doesn't have anything, you know, that a regular from Jew would have in the house. So he goes to the farm store, and he brings his big station wagon, and he says to him, I want you to fill up this station wagon with foam. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, in order that my house should be a good Jewish home. Okay. A few days later, he gets his first aliyah. The first time he's called to the Torah as a, as a from Jew. So after the aliyah, the Gavah starts making Mishabeya, Mishabeya, Chavisenu, Huyivorech, Ba'avur Nodav, and he doesn't know what's going on. So they explain to him that, you know, we, you give money, you give, uh, you make a nadova to tzedakah, you give to the shul, to the tzedakah. So he screams out, shekel, 18,000 shekel. <laughs> the, whole shul, the whole shul was up in arms. Nobody in the world had ever given 18,000 shekel. But this is all because, like, this guy is a baal and by the tshuva, sometimes they don't know what's going on. They're, they're, it's like, it's such a tremendous change from who they were to who they're becoming that uh, it, it's it's comical. I once, uh, you know, and, and us, we in Avey, who've been teaching in Avey for so many decades, you know, very often we see guys that, uh, you know, their tshuva, it's, it's beautiful, but it's funny. You know, sometimes when you see a guy that was... Maybe, uh, let's say, I have Talmudin that I remember that the first time I set eyes on them was, you know, they were in the middle of some crazy, crazy tantrum. Crazy tantrum. You know, fouling off their mouth and, and all kinds of stuff. I was so scared to be within uh, their uh, proximity. And, and today, they're the most sweet and able people in the world. It's like the craziest thing. Like you wonder how such a thing could happen. It's crazy. I once had a student that he spent the year before the day on a beach in California. I don't think he was alone. 
And then he came to Yeshiva, and he got into things a little, and he happened to like me quite a bit. And uh, one day I see he takes a haircut. And I tell him, uh, Tzadik, what are those things behind your ears? So he's pe he says, Payas. I said, what are you doing with Payas? So he says, I want to be like you, Rebbe. So I said, that's very nice. But then why don't you put on a pair of pants? Why don't you put on a pair of shoes? <laughs> you know? So sometimes, again, the process is so, so interesting. Indeed, the Zayah Kodesh talks about a certain Balchuva, and it says that over there that they started calling him Yehuda Acharo. He's a different Yehuda. He's not the same person. So when you see a person that was one way one day, and the next day he's totally different, that the Derek Lal can arouse in a person squeak because it's the unexpected. Now, what about our tshuva? What does our tshuva look like? Can you tell the difference between us the day before Rosh Hashanah and the day after Yom Kippur? Are you able to tell that we're different people? Harav Shach Zechayi said that you can't compare the Chofetz Chaim before Rosh Hashanah to the Chofetz Chaim after Rosh Hashanah. It was recognizable that it was a totally different person. I don't know how, but do we see that on ourselves? One of the most uh, crucial foundations of the Truva process, I believe, is the beginning of Rabbeinu Yoyna, where Rabbeinu Yoyna gives a marshal about how terrible it is somebody that doesn't repent when he has an opportunity, and he brings the magic that says that there's a marshal to a group of bandits that they were put into prison by the king, and they dug a tunnel, and they all rush out and run away, and one of them, remain, one of them remains behind. So the warden comes and says to him, You idiot! You don't see that the, 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 there's a way to escape? How is it that you didn't run for your life? So, this is something that is a little bit difficult to understand. In other words, the story itself, the marshal, you know, you would think that the warden would tell him, thank you very much, I'm glad you, at least one of you stayed. But, so there are different explanations. I don't want to get into the, I don't want to get into it right now. I want to stick with the, what, we're, what, what we're discussing. But the chat is like this. Why aren't you running away from, from Chet? If you have an opportunity to get away from Chet, if you have an opportunity to get away from sin, you should be running like you run from fire. 
So who's Rabbeinu Yoyna angry at? He's talking about that Pharaoh that, that, that didn't leave. You're an idiot. Why are you not running away? But let me ask you. So we, Baruch Hashem, you know, we go through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we say Slichas, we do everything we need to do, we fast on Yom Kippur. We try to do some sort of, accept something on ourselves, some small Kabbalah. I like to joke that, you know, I suggest for a Kabbalah, you know, the Bircha Sachamo, which is once every 28 years, I'm going to start saying it from a, from a Siddur. You know, barely we're able to find some sort of Kabbalah, barely able to tell that, there's a, that, that we went to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So it's like a guy, he, he's angry, the, the warden is angry at that person that he stayed in the prison. But what about a guy that he walked out of the prison, but he doesn't run. He walks out and he takes himself a chair and sits on the other side of the door. Is he much better? He's also not much better. I think that's us. You know, when we go to Poland and we take the boys to Poland, so we show the, the movie about the revolt in Sobibor. The revolt in Sobibor was a very, very interesting uh, presentation of how, you know, the Jews got together, maybe with a couple of Russians, and they simultaneously eliminated a bunch of the key Nazi commanders of the camp. And when they gave the signal, they all started running toward the gates. There were still a couple of Nazis left that had arms. But you see a picture, and, and I have to tell you, you know, I'm not a movie buff, but even I am so moved when I see that running and, and the escape, how, how people are running for their lives to get out of that camp, to get out of that camp that the death, where there was death and cruelty and uh, who knows what. And they're running for their life. That's the way you're supposed to run from Chet. Says, How did you not leave? How did you not run for your life? So we should be running for our life when we do tshuva. I don't see any of us running. I'm talking about myself, my friends. I'm talking about myself. So I just want to point out that I think I understand why this is, because we think that we're relatively okay. And it's just the fine points that we have to fix up, to strengthen. I once uh, a marshal, a marshal maybe, would be a pair of tefillin. You go buy a pair of tefillin today, you get a beautiful pair of tefillin, $2,000. $2,000 is a pair of children that's 95% perfect. What about if you want 98%? You have to pay, oh no, for that you have to pay $3,000. But that doesn't make sense. 
For for ninety five percent, I pay two thousand dollars. For three percent, I pay another thousand dollars. The answer is very simple. Because to to take that skin, the hide of the behema, when it comes bloody from the slaughterhouse, and turn it into the ninety five percent perfect. That's two thousand dollars worth. But what you want to do now, and you want to make it ninety-eight percent, that means you don't want that the square should be the square of the, the ribua of the bias should be even a millimeter off. So you're going to sit there and you're going to scrub it and scrape it, and and you're not going to use any machines because we don't use machines when we're paying three thousand dollars, right? And you're scrubbing it with your hand, and you're going to scrub and scrub and rub and rub. And until you get a perfect, perfect, perfect ribua, so that takes that's a thousand dollars worth. That it's just as hard process as what the it's it's fifty percent of the effort of taking a hide and making a ninety-five percent. So a lot of us might maybe think that we're ninety-five percent of the way there, and uh, you know all we have to do is just you know make ourselves a little bit better, and you're not able to tell the difference. Anybody that would look at a ninety-five percent kosher pair of tulip or a ninety-eight percent pair of tulip can't tell the difference. So this is the difficulty we have. But one thing I can tell you that the only way that you could really know that you've done tshuva is if you're running away from something. There's something about the way we conduct ourselves that I need to run away from it. And you've got to run away to the point that if somebody would see you, they would laugh. Let's say a guy, for instance, he davens every day, he catches the last minion at 11 o'clock. And the next day you see him coming for seeking. What happened to you, young girl? Right? So the, the guy says, I'm close to the <laughs> so, so a guy that davens at 11 o'clock and starts to daven with a seeker, so you understand how that arouses, you know, that's funny, that's cute, that use, uh, people are going to giggle. We have to find something in our behavior that's just not the Seder. And that item we have to run away from, like, we, like you run away from fire. And it's work. And I'll tell you one thing. That if you're not going to sit down and think about what we're talking about, and you're not going to think about yourselves and make a true chesed and nefesh, you will never ever be chesed b'tshuva. That means you have to take time in your day, or your night, or both, as busy as you may be, regardless of if you're learning or if you're working, and you must make this calculation and find something that from that conduct, this is a conduct that can't continue, I have to run for my life. Shem should help that we should be zoiche. Emir Hashem. To be able to, number one, have the seichel of putting time into this process, and number two, being zoiche to find what it is that from there we can turn and to Hashem and with Hashem's help Hashem Eilecha V'Nashuva Chadesh Yameinu Hikadem